Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty, a wife and mom of three and author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. I'm also the lead teacher, blogger, and owner of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast devoted to healthy family cooking with traditional methods like sourdough and old-fashioned pickling. These foods are easy, delicious, healing, and your family will love them. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free gift for you. Five free traditional cooking videos from inside Traditional Cooking School that will introduce you to my favorite fundamental techniques of traditional cooking. To start watching today, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash watch. And now, let's get to today's show. Hi everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Wardy. This is episode 156. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 156. And those of you who are joining me live, a great big welcome to you. We're here on Periscope. My handle is at Trad Cook School, and we're recording this live, and it's lots of fun to see the hearts flowing and to see your comments as they come in. Keep in mind that if you're live, I love to see your first name, so anytime you leave a comment, just quickly type in your first name because I can read that better. If you're listening to this later via iTunes and you want to switch to the video recording, it is embedded at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 156 or vice versa. If you're watching this in video and you need to get on the run, like start doing your dishes or take the dog for a walk or whatnot, then switch over to iTunes. Um, and knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes is a way for you to just to subscribe. So today we have a great topic. I'm continuing this series, if you will. It sort of came to me the other day. Last week, episode 155, I shared seven sourdough mistakes you might be making that I hope you would stop. And so continuing on that, we're going to talk about fermenting mistakes. Here are seven fermenting mistakes you might be making, but hopefully not after today if you are. So we're going to get into them, and as I mentioned them, um, if you're live with me and you want to tap the screen to share hearts, or if you want to you know, comment and add to this discussion, please do that. If you're listening later, the comments are open for you at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 156, so just go by there and leave a comment with um, you know, your thoughts on any of the seven points. Uh, which one resonates with you or add to the discussion if you if you have some other mistakes you might want to add to this topic. All right, so let's get into mistake number one, seven uh, fermenting mistakes you might be making. Number one is thinking you don't have what you need to get started. Now I know I have this long list of things, call it a bucket list, call it a life list, whatever you want, a long list of things that I would like to do someday. Now, what is on your list? If fermenting is on your list and you haven't yet done it, maybe one of the reasons is, well, you don't have what you need to get started. Either you think it's too expensive or you need to acquire special things because you see people out there and they use special bottles or special jars or weights or whatever, and you think you have to have that in order to start. Well, just scratch that notion. You do not need anything special to get started with fermenting. You need mason jars, you need food, and we all have food in our houses, right? Um, vegetables, fruits, um, anyway, salt is the final thing. So you need a mason jar with a lid, 
um, food and salt. That is all you need to get started with fermenting. Forget about the fancy bottles and airlock lids and everything like that. You do not need it. You can get fancy later if you want. If the fermenting bug hits you, which I hope it will, you can get fancy later and invest in some things. But right now, that's all you need to get started. So move that item to the top of your list and get started today, maybe tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, okay? So if the mistake you're making is thinking you don't have what you need to get started with fermenting, stop making that mistake and let's get started. Um, and just so you know, I have resources to help you with that. That are, is, of course, Google. There is, of course, traditionalcookingschool.com. There is, of course, uh, Traditional Cooking School, our school membership. And I have two books, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods that I mentioned before and Lacto-Fermentation ebook that's available at traditionalcookingschool.com. So lots of tried and true recipes, lots of resources to get you started. And I try to keep things very simple, not only for myself, but for all of you, because I want us not to have this barrier to entry of things being too complicated or hard or you know, tools getting in your way. So we keep things to the absolute minimum. And as I said, you can get fancy, but you do not need to. So get going with fermenting. It is not... Um, doesn't need anything special to get started. All right, so number two is going to be a little bit related. This is another um, fermenting mistake that people make, and hopefully you're not or will stop if you are, and that is thinking that it's too scary or complicated. As I said before, I like things to be simple, and I do my best to make them simple for you, and you do, fermenting is not scary, it is not complicated, or at least, let me qualify that, it doesn't have to be. I know that some people make it that way. If you've been surfing the internet, and you've looked at all, you know, into fermenting, you might have stumbled across these blog posts, and <laughs> not only is the type really small, and the paragraph's really long, and it's like, a million words long that your head spins and you're just like, I don't have time to deal with this right now. Well, that's that person's mistake for coming across that way at you. And it doesn't have to be that way. It's very simple, simple ingredients, simple steps. Now here's the simple process. I want you to just understand what's behind this idea of fermenting. When you ferment foods, the process of fermentation is something that just happens completely naturally all over the world. Our compost pile is a process of fermentation. But inside our kitchen, when we're making sauerkraut or homemade soda, we're, we're, we're doing a um, form of fermentation that instead of making food rot and spoil, we're transforming it by exploding the probiotics, um, exploding the enzymes and the vitamins, um, adding beneficial acids that are really healthy for us. So we're making this fermentation process go in a positive direction. Not that compost isn't positive, but we're not gonna eat we're not gonna eat compost. We're doing fermentation that goes in a positive direction so we can actually consume the food that we fermented. And this explosion of probiotics and vitamins and enzymes and acids is a process that is completely natural that we're just like nurturing in our kitchen. And how it works is, on fruits and vegetables, there are naturally abundant beneficial organisms called lactobacilli. And they're very simple in nature. They like a salty environment. They like to eat the starches and sugars in food. Um, and so what we're doing is we're shredding or cutting up fruits and vegetables and we're packing it in a jar under the protection of salt because these good organisms not only like salt, but the salt repels um, uh, pathogenic and putrefying organisms. So it repels the bad guys and it nurtures the good guys. And under these conditions, 
the beneficial organisms, they just feast on the sugars that are in fruits and vegetables. And these organisms are abundant on raw fruits and vegetables, organic preferably. And so if you give them um, this environment around room temperature in a jar under the protection of salt, they are just going to go to town and consume the starches and sugars and foods, and they're going to produce enzymes. They're going to multiply and create a larger colony of themselves, um, which helps to preserve the food because they're becoming a strong culture to repel the kinds of organisms you don't want. They're producing beneficial acids, more vitamins. They're softening the food. They're creating this deliciously salty, sour mixture. They're effectively preserving the food um, later, for later, so you can hang on to it in cold storage. So this is the beautiful process of fermentation. It's not scary. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's very simple and it's very natural and you're cultivating it in your kitchen so that you and your family can benefit from the health benefits of these fermented foods. Our health is in our gut and our gut relies on beneficial organisms and so by consuming fermented foods like sauerkraut and homemade sodas and chutneys and all these different things that we can ferment, yogurt, kefir, by Consuming these foods regularly, we're repopulating our guts with what we need to be healthy. And the process of fermentation is just beneficial organisms eating sugars and starches in food and producing amazing things for us to eat, including more of themselves and preserving the food. Very simple process, does not have to be complicated, and it's so amazingly healthful for us. So don't make the mistake of thinking it's too scary or complicated. Now, I don't wanna minimize what does happen, it happens to me too. If you've never done something before, it can just seem overwhelming. And I think the real problem is that you, you, just, you just haven't done it. And so you, 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 you don't know what it feels like for your hands to you know, chop. You don't know what it is like for your eyes to see what happens. And so you need to, um, number one, you need to just do it. But number two, what can really help is to see yourself doing it. And that's one reason why at Traditional Cooking School, we have so many videos available to show you all how simple and easy it can be. And it's not that we need you to see me doing it, it's that you see me doing it or one of the other teachers, but you put yourself in my shoes and when I'm doing something with my hands, you're, you're seeing yourself doing that. And at five minutes later, you know, watch, watch the video, five minutes or whatever the amount of time is, we keep them short, after that five minutes is over, you see yourself doing it and all of a sudden you're like, aha, that is really easy, I can do that. And that's where I need you to be. And if that takes just jumping in and doing it, or like a commenter just shared here on Periscope, do it with a friend. You know, if you have a friend that makes awesome sauerkraut, say, say to her, you know, next time you make sauerkraut, can I come over and just watch or do it with you? Or the other thing is, if I could be that friend for you in traditional cooking school, that is just the biggest thrill I could have, is to have you follow along with me so that you get the confidence to see yourself doing it because... Mistake number two, thinking it's too scary or complicated, is a mistake. Uh, now, it's an understandable mistake. We've all been there. I've been there with certain things, but it doesn't need to last or linger. we got to get you over that and get you into the simplicity and the confidence of it not being scary and it not being complicated. So that was mistake number two. And I love your comments, and I love seeing the hearts that are flowing. So thank you. Keep it up. Keep sharing. Um, it really adds a lot to this discussion. Number three of seven fermenting mistakes you might be making, thinking you won't like it. It being whatever you're gonna make, or this idea of fermented foods. I know that people coming to are like, ooh, ick, fermented? 
That can't be good. Well, here's the thing. You might love fermented foods, or you might like some, and you might not like others. But with such a range of choices of what you could ferment, you are bound to love something like a lot of things. And okay, there's some things you might never try again. That is okay, but don't make the mistake of just making a blanket generalization that I'm not gonna like that, or my family's not gonna like it. Because let's face it, most of us here are moms, and we have families or grandchildren, and we're not just thinking of ourselves, we're thinking, you know, I only have limited time and energy to cook, and so I'm gonna cook the things that make my family happy and healthy. I mean, that's a win-win for us, is when we can make them happy because they love it, and when we can help make them healthier. Now, their goal might not be health, they just wanna enjoy their food, and love what they're eating, but we're looking for win-wins on health and happiness. So don't assume that nobody's gonna like fermenting. Let's do a little bit of thinking here to figure out how you can use fermenting in that win-win scenario where you're not only choosing something that they're gonna like, but you're also giving them the benefits of fermented food. So here's what you need to do, is think about what your family enjoys. If they love fruits, you know, if they hate sour, you just know they just, sour repels them. Well, forget about sauerkraut or really sour fermented foods. Let's focus on fruits. Do they love apples? Uh, you could make a wonderful apple chutney. If they like berries or other fruits, you could do a uh, fermented fruit leather. Kids love fermented fruit leathers. So there's a lot of options in terms of fruits. Um, if they like sweeter veggies, but they don't want the sour veggies. Well, you could focus on ginger carrots that are in nourishing traditions or inside traditional cooking school. You could do a carrot chutney with raisins and nuts. I have a great recipe for that inside our allergy-free cooking e-course or e-book. So the, kind of the sweeter veggies like carrots um, and, and you turn it into a chutney or you add you know, a little bit of spice or sour, but the base of it is the sweet carrot. Um, makes fabulous. Uh, fermented um, side dishes for a salad or next to grilled meats or next to a sandwich. So you really have some options there for your family. Um, now, sauerkraut. Let's just talk about the sauerkraut issue because a lot of people think, oh, I hate sauerkraut. And they're talking about the vinegar canned sauerkraut that, you know, th that comes from the store. Well, that is one thing <laughs> that I think we just have to be careful of is let's compare apples to apples and some of those canned vinegar pickled um, you know, things we can get at the store simply do not compare to what you can ferment at home. So you, you may think you don't like sauerkraut, but you're not eating the sauerkraut that we're talking about if you're having that vinegar pickled sauerkraut from the store. And as uh, Amy is saying in the comments, not the same. Exactly, it is not the same. It is not the same food at all. Maybe they started with cabbage, but it's not, it's not the sauerkraut we're talking about. And I, I'm not, well, I am gonna say, it. I don't think that's sauerkraut. <laughs> they call it sauerkraut, but that's not the sauerkraut that we know and love. So here's the thing. Homemade sauerkraut is not the same as a store-bought sauerkraut. It's also, uh, like, doesn't taste like it. Uh, it's way better for you, that, that store-bought sauerkraut. And I'm not talking about the one in the refrigerator section in the health food that's like what we make at home. I'm talking about the vinegar pickled on the, on the, um, the canned shelf. Anyway, the kind we make at home is truly a superfood. It tastes completely different. And you might find that you like it. You might even find that you crave it. So don't just assume you're not gonna like sauerkraut until you try homemade sauerkraut. And I'm not saying you're gonna love it. 
you might take you a while and you might say, nah, I don't really care for it. I'll try something else. That's fine. But at least uh, try the homemade once, <laughs> preferably more, but at least once so that you know the true difference between the sauerkraut you declare you don't like between homemade sauerkraut. And I'm saying you, and don't anybody take this as an accusation. I'm just talking generally, okay? I think it's just this societal thing of ooh, sauerkraut, and, and so I'm just exposing it for what it is, that that sauerkraut is not the sauerkraut I'm talking about. So mistake number three was thinking you won't like it or your family won't like it. So don't make any assumptions here. You have such a wide range of fermenting choices. Go in the direction of fruits or sweeter veggies or try a real sauerkraut instead of saying you hate the sauerkraut from the store. Mistake number four is starting out um, too complicated. So as I said before, veggies and salt. How much more simple can you get, right? I mean, fermenting can be very, very simple. So when you're starting out, stick with something simple, like the things I mentioned before, the fermented fruit leather, the apple chutney, the carrot chutney, the ginger carrots, or a simple sauerkraut. I mean, you're, you, you've got a, one vegetable or a couple vegetables or a fruit and some nuts and raisins, and you've got salt. There's nothing simpler like that save the homemade root beer or the natto, which is the fermented soybeans or the tempeh for later. Those are more complicated. Save the homemade fermented corned beef for later. Um, the gravlax, I might be saying it wrong and I, I might be recalling the wrong thing, but the, you know, the pickled salmon, save that for later. Just stick with the very basic simple recipes when you're just starting out. You want to build your confidence. You want to find some just simple foundational things that your family is going to like, that you can whip together, that don't take a lot of thought or energy. Um, it, it's just that boost that you need to get into this. So don't make the mistake of starting out too complicated. Mistake number five um, is not interacting with it enough. And at this point, I want to ask our live audience, who here uh, does ferments and you open your jars and you check things? Just you um, give me a thumbs up um, in the comments if you interact with your ferments. Like let's say your sauerkraut or your pickles. Are you opening things up? So Moms with Alice says yes. Mommy Stay Strong says yes. Mama Stay Strong Spring Spinner is yes. Prairie Gentian is yes, Amy is yes. Great, we're getting a lot of yeses. Uh, four more, <laughs> Danielle, I can't read all the names. Robin is saying yes. Okay, a whole bunch of yeses, awesome. So you guys, and Vicky's being honest here occasionally. Oh, Everyday People says no. Well, uh, there are situations where you, know, you don't wanna open. I'll address that. But for the most part, it looks like everybody here is saying yes, so that's great. Well, a mistake that a lot of people make, not you guys, is not interacting with your uh, ferments as much as you should. And here's what I mean. So now if you're using a special jar like the pickle jar, or if you've got a crock with a big old weight on top that holds your stuff down, uh, in those situations, especially with the weight situation, there's not as big of a need to interact and open your ferment, but if you have a, a mason jar and you're not weighting anything down, I'll give you an example of sauerkraut. So sauerkraut, remember I mentioned those fermenting organisms and they're eating the sugars and starches in the cabbage um, and they're producing more of themselves. They're producing bubbles actually. And so it's the acids, the enzymes, the vitamins, but also bubbles. They are literally respirating and giving off gas. <laughs> and that lifts the mixture in the jar. 
And so over the course of 24 hours, you might have, you know, your cabbage, your cabbage mixture might be an inch higher. And of course, the, then the juices are often spilling out. That's why I say put a towel under it. But here's the thing, because they've lifted, then you've got all these air pockets in your sauerkraut. And that means your sauerkraut doesn't turn out that great because it's not fully under the protection of the salt brine, you know, the salty cabbage juice. So every day, you need to open up that jar and you need to push everything back down. The lifting up is not a bad thing, it's the natural action, but if you want really good sauerkraut and you wanna be in tune with what's happening, then you open the jar and you can taste and you can smell and you push everything back down. That's what I mean by interacting with it. Let's be hands-on. You're not only, um, in many cases, ensuring a better um, result, but you're learning. You're learning every time you open that, you're observing and seeing okay, so this is day one and this is what it's like. And this is day two and this is what it's like. And day three, oh, it's like this now. And then you can take that experience to the next batch or the next type of ferment. And every ferment's gonna be a little different. Every batch is gonna be a little different. So you're not, it's not like you're putting these in, things in cement, but you're learning a ton. So does that make sense? If you interact and you taste and you pack down and you smell, then you're number one, getting better results. And number two, your observations are giving you a whole bunch more experience um, of what's actually happening in there. So I think, um, I think we need to interact with our ferments regularly. I really do. It's for our sake and for the results. So that was mistake number five. And it seems like nobody's really making it here, but hopefully I'm reaching somebody who's a little bit afraid of opening the jar and is not then afraid anymore to do that. <laughs> okay, we have two more mistakes. Everyday people are saying, thanks, you're a good teacher. I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much. Okay, so number six. This, is, this comes up quite a bit with somebody who's never fermented before. Uh, so mistake number six is thinking it's spoiled when it's sour or vice versa. Or I could put it another way and I could say just like, you know, not knowing if it's good or not because the smell um, is so different. You know, in our standard Amer American diet, we're used to salty and sweet and yeah, a little bit of sour, maybe sour candies, but sour sauerkraut may be completely new. And so we're not sure, is that spoiled or is that just sour? So I wanna make sure that everybody knows not to make the mistake of thinking it's spoiled when it's really sour and different. Okay, so the first thing I wanna say about this here is there really is no substitute for experience. But there's two kinds of experience we're talking about. One kind of experience is the experience of you've fermented a whole bunch so you actually know the difference between spoiled and sour. But the other kind of experience, nobody has to teach you, you have it. And that is the experience of your nose with other foods. Your nose has the experience of knowing when something is repulsive and spoiled. And you need to trust that. So when you open up a jar of something that you're fermented, or you, know, you open up a carton of milk or sour cream or buttermilk that's been in the fridge for a while, your nose can tell I mean, if that is so repulsive, you feel like throwing up and vomiting, sorry to be graphic here, but repulsive smells make you gag and it's different than smelling something that's unfamiliar or sour. Your nose does know the difference. And I'm making it very black and white. I know it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but what I'm trying to encourage you is to, <laughs> your nose knows exactly. What I'm trying to encourage you is to trust that that thing, that knowledge that we all have on what is spoiled or not. 
So if something smells repulsive and makes you want to vomit because it's just so bad, then it's spoiled. But if it's sour or different, you know, if it's kind of like stinky cheese, but it's not like vile. And I know there's people that would call what we think is, you know, amazing vile. So that's why I said this is a blanket statement that's not totally applicable. But anyway, if it smells sour or different, it's not spoiled. And so trust your nose when you're starting out. And over time, as you do more fermenting, you're going to gain the other kind of uh, knowledge, which is the experience of tasting and smelling and observing different kinds of ferments. And you'll, you'll build up even more of the ability to, to discern. Now, this could sound scary. And everybody's thinking, people who haven't fermented, you might be thinking, oh, no, how much am I going to run into this? Well, here's the thing. Very little. Even though occasional ferments are not going to turn out, that's not the norm. Success is much more likely. Success is mostly what happens, especially if you're following tried and true simple recipes like the ones I have. You're going to have success most of the time. And like, like I said before, you'll have variances from batch to batch because your room temperature is different or you know, the vegetables you're using are different. You know, that's all within the realm of normal. But mostly you're going to be having success and very few failures. Uh, so that was mistake number six, thinking it's spoiled when it's sour. And I have one more. And this one is like a challenge, okay? Um, and it's, I'm preaching to the choir too here because we are all susceptible to this. And so number seven is giving up too soon. Don't give up if you don't like it. You can tweak it and try something different. You can try a completely different recipe. It is the sauerkraut or the chutney or the ginger carrots or the kombucha, whatever you try. Just because you don't like it, don't give up fermenting. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are so many different types of ferments you can try, fruits, vegetables, beverages, to meats, you know, all kinds of things. So you don't like one, Try a different one, tweak it a little bit, but do not give up on fermenting. Don't give up. Uh, this reminds me of uh, the recent series I did on the podcast, The Kitchen Rules, and I want to say it was Nancy, but I could be remembering incorrectly. She submitted a kitchen rule, and it's one of the uh, last ones I did, and it was don't give up, don't quit. Well, this comes into uh, fermenting mistakes you might be making. Don't give up. Here's the thing. Just like a child, we've all read this, Oh, yeah, and this is a great point. Annie is saying she didn't like her first taste of garlic kraut, but after two months in the fridge, it's delicious. That is a great point to make. So not only do you like try a tweak on the recipe or you try a different recipe, but the one thing that you didn't like, put it in the fridge and let it age longer and you might like it. Those five to seven days or whatever the recipe says for the initial ferment, it's not done. You move it to the fridge and it ages more. It might mellow out, get more complex, be not quite so sour, not quite so salty. It will totally, well, not totally, it will change. That aging will change it. And you might love it, just like Annie said. So great point. Thank you for adding that. So we know this about children. When we're introducing new foods, we may have to put it in front of them a dozen times before they're even going to accept it. And a dozen times of seeing it, you know, taking one bite, whatever the rule is in your house, um, it's going to take a while. If they're leery at first, it's going to take a while for them to accept it and possibly like it. Well, we're the same. We might be grownups, but we're the same. We all, we might, ourselves or our spouse or, 
you know, our parents or, you know, our sister-in-law or brother-in-law, we know people who are like, ooh, ick, I don't want to do that. You know, adults are picky too. And here's the thing. Um, it's not just a like mind over matter thing. I mean, part of it is, but if somebody is on the standard American diet or coming off of it or has been on it for years and years, we are literally addicted to the salty, sugary, you know, chemical flavors of foods. And we can't just change like that. We may want to, but our bodies rebel. Our taste buds rebel. It just, you, you can't talk somebody into liking something that they don't like. And I, I'm not saying to absolve everybody of like any responsibility because I think we need to be responsible and proactive about changing our taste buds. But the fact is that our taste buds have to be changed because they've been addicted to chemical, salty, you know, sugary flavors of standard American diet. Good food can be a challenge to transition to. And so we have to be patient. We have to be willing to keep at it. So that's why I said, don't give up because it's worth it. You and I know, as you know, most of us are moms of families, and you and I know that it's so important to us. Okay, I'm speaking for myself here, and you guys can let me know if this resonates with you. But I have, I said this before, I have limited time and energy. So when I'm looking for things that I might want to fix, might be exciting to me, might, you know, I would really want to eat, I'm always in the back of my mind thinking, you know, it has to be good for the family too. Or if I have some health needs that I want to work on, I'm also thinking, you know, double duty here. I have to make it work for the family too. I need them to like it. I need them it to be good for them. And that makes it good for me. As moms, we want to check off all these boxes. And so we have to make decisions about what we're going to fix for the family. And so it's really important that we make these decisions and decide what to fix for the family, but we don't give up because the, these goals that we're that we're working after for health and happiness in our whole family, not just us, is worth going after. And it's also worth not giving up when you, you know, have somebody who doesn't like it or doesn't quite, um, doesn't quite, you know, work out. And the example I want to give you and mentioned this before, and even one of you said, yeah, Amy said it's a completely different thing, sauerkraut. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, I hated sauerkraut, but I made homemade sauerkraut and I love it so much. I just ate the whole jar because my body is like saying, I need this. I crave it. I must have it. <laughs> um, so the thing is you can't give up because you got you, you to gotta give your body and your family the opportunity to get used to it and embrace it. And it is worth all the challenges of transitioning. And it is a real transition, like I've said. It's a real transition. You're overcoming addictions and tastes that are a real thing. Part of it is the mind to decide and part of it is the body needs time to adjust. Um, and in the comments, I see we have a dude here who's saying, I'm a dude and I need good food too. Yes, I do not mean to exclude anybody here. I know that I'm primarily talking to moms like me, but it's surprising how many, um, how many dudes we have at traditional cooking school who, I don't know, I should ask all of you. Maybe you are assuming some of the nurturing role of your family um, in the slack or because it's your passion. I don't really know, but I love that you're here. I think it's so, so cool that we have dudes that are looking for good food too. All right. So as we wrap up here, I would like to know, I'm going to, I'm going to recap the seven mistakes. And I would like to know um, from those of you who are here live, if <laughs> Vicki is saying the dudes are great in traditional cooking school, that's so true. So as I read the seven, I'd like to know from those of you who are live and those of you who are listening later. So live, you can type in the comments, 
Later, you can go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 156. I want to know which of these mistakes you're making. And hopefully the corollary here that goes without saying is that's the one you're going to work on. So number one, thinking you don't have what you need to get started. Number two, thinking it's too scary or complicated. Three, thinking you won't like it. Four is starting out too complicated. So, you know, your first recipe you choose is too complicated. Five is not interacting with it enough. Six is thinking it's spoiled when it's sour. Um, And seven is giving up too soon. So take a moment now. And those of you who are here live, give me some instant feedback here. If you're making any of those mistakes, you could just uh, do a number if you remember the numbers. So Prairie Jensen says a scary one. S. Fremer says number six. Moms with Alice says four and seven. Annie Kate, non-interacting enough. Vicky says number five. Uh, Connie says, my mistake is never trying to ferment, but I'm encouraged. Thank you. So Connie, get started. Sandy says, not interacting. And Lynette says, afraid I won't like it. Yeah, I mean, these are, nobody's laughing here because these are all very real things. Healthy, um, healthy, yeah, yeah. One and three. And I can't read your name, says my biggest mistake is not trying. That's a good one. Uh, Everyday people not interacting. I think everyday people, you are our dude, our resident dude today. (laughs) Well, good for all of you. I mean, the first thing is just to own up to what your hurdle is, because when you know it, you can fix it. So now I'm going to make you commit to fixing that. Oh, Amy says, giving up too soon with dill pickles when I lost a gallon of homegrown cukes. Yeah, that's a tough one, uh, because pickles are probably one of the harder ferments to get right. I mean, when, they get, when they're right, they're awesome, but the trouble is we get abundant pickling cucumbers in the summer, and that heat, at least in my experience, it can be the factor that makes them like go mush instead of stay crisp. <laughs> and Lynette is asking, or add, adding a mistake number eight, not big enough fridge. Yes, I wanna give you a tip on that, Lynette. You can freeze your ferments. So if you have a bigger freezer than fridge, you can make your ferments, and a lot of them will freeze. Well, thank you all so much for being here. I want to finish up with something that some of you know about, but many of you may not. Um, If you're new to traditional cooking school, I have a gift for you, and it is a, what I call a fermenting formulas cheat sheet. So it's tried and true formulas for all kinds of ferments, pickles, relishes, salsas, beverages, and more, where I tell you for a quart of what you're making, you need this much veggies or fruit, you need this much salt, etc. So it's formulas to make safe and delicious um, ferments of all kinds from whatever you have on hand. And so that is a free gift for you. You can get it at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash ferment gift, where ferment gift is one word. And that's where you can go to sign up for it. So again, it's a free gift and signing up for it will put you on my email uh, newsletter, my email list, and I send out tips and inspiration nearly every day. Uh, So it's a great way for us to get connected. And thank you everyone in the comments here for the wonderful feedback. It's wonderful to have you here. I so enjoy it. It's really the highlight of my week. So if you're listening to this later, oh, again, the address, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash fermentgift. If you're listening to this later, the show notes are ready for you. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 156. So come on by and share in the comments the answers to the questions I've asked you. 
If you're listening later and you'd like to get in on the live fun, just watch Periscope at Trad Cook School. So it's periscope.tv slash Trad Cook School or on the app with the handle at Trad Cook School sometime on Thursdays, usually at afternoon, about 1 or 2 p.m. Pacific. I hop on here and we do a live recording and it's really fun. Thank you all. God bless you. See you again in a week. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you'll come back again. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode and get links and more resources about today's topic. Just visit knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com slash watch to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. It's a gift. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested will find this podcast too. Thank you so much and God bless you.